or if you don't have your notes, I hope everyone has notes. And we are still talking about Good. Two people know what we're talking about. That's good. <laughs> we still are talking about shadows of Golgotha, shadows of the cross in the Old Testament. And we have arrived to the book of Leviticus. This is our fourth week. And we are talking about the sacrifices that God has commanded Moses in the Old Testament and how these sacrifices are a shadow or a picture of the cross of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's see who has been following me. How many sacrifices we said there are in the book of Leviticus? Five. Five. Can we try to name them? The first one is the burned offering. The second one is the meal offering, the grain offering. Today we're going to talk about that peace offering. And then there's two left, the sin offering and the trespass offering. All right. What is the main difference between the very first three sacrifices that we have been talking about so far, the, the burned offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering versus the sin and the trespass offering? Anybody knows? Jeremy. Exactly. The, the first three sacrifices are the only ones that the Bible say they are sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. So this is something that is purely pleasing to God. Has nothing to do with our sinful status or how to approach God. This is just something that God looks into and take joy. Amen. So today we're going to close that group of sacrifices that pleasing to the Lord. You offer it just to please God. Amen. We said among these five sacrifices, there is only one that does not include or involve slaughtering of an animal or shedding blood. Any meal offering? Meal offering. That's what we talked about last year and uh, last last week. So that's good. So again, I think within a few months from now, we're gonna forget most of this stuff. But I want you to know that at least the very foundations. You know what are they? What they do? What they represent? And just the very differences, the essential differences. This way you can always um, have this information in mind. Amen? Amen. So today is our fourth week. We spent two weeks talking about the burnt offering. One week talking about the meal offering. Today we're going to talk about the peace offering. That's in Leviticus chapter 3. So if you have your notes, you can read with me. And that's Leviticus 3.1. Now God is speaking and he's saying, When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, now God is continuing telling Moses about the different offering that people offers. And he says, when people offer a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall, he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Amen. And Aaron's son, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. So now this is the portion that God takes from the peace offering. What is it? It is the fat that covers the entails and all the fat that is on the entails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flakes. And the fatty loop attached to the liver above the 
kidneys he shall remove and Aaron's and his son shall burn it on the altar upon the uh, uh, upon the burnt sacrifice which is on the wood that is on the fire as an offering made by fire a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord you got it so how does it work you bring a bull, whether the male or the male or the female, and then you um, slaughter the guy who brings the, the offerer, slaughter it at the door of the tabernacle. And then they take the fat from the inside and then they burn that fat, only the fat. They burned on the burned offering where, where the other sacrifices are being burned as a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. And then the rest of the animal is not being burned to God, but we're going to see later that the offerer can have some and the priest will have some from that sacrifice as well. Amen? So that is the, the ritual, how they do it. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter because we have a lot of reading to do. But if you skip with me to verse 6, if the offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock. So in verse 1, we see that the offering can be from uh, the herd, whether male or female. Verse 6, it can be from the flock, like a lamb whether male or female, okay, pretty much the exact same ritual, so we're not going to read it again. Skip with me to verse 12, and if his offering is a goat, he shall offer it before the Lord. Again, it can be a goat, the exact same rituals, we're not going to read it again. Skip with me to verse 17. This shall be a perpetual statue throughout your generation in all your dwelling. You guys need to pay attention, God says, right? This is very important. You should never change that. What is it, God? You shall not eat neither fat nor blood. Amen? So in all these sacrifices, the fat, the blood, the priest, and the offerers, or the people of Israel should have no part in that. Amen? So let's try to dig into um, this and understand more what is this offering represent and what does it mean and how is it a picture of the cross of Christ. Some translation has this as a fellowship offering, but actually the Hebrew word for it is shalom, and we know that word means peace. So literally this is a peace offering, all right? And we kind of talked about that before when we talked about the power of the blood of Jesus, if you remember. We talked about how we are reconciled with God by the blood of Christ, if you remember that. And we said that peace with God could have only been achieved, could have never been achieved, except if it wasn't for the cross and the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that is, in a way, what this sacrifice in the Old Testament represents. That there needs to be a peace between holy God and a sinful man. Amen? And in order for that peace to be established, well, number one, that tells us that there is an enmity, right? Because if there is no enmity, you don't need peace. But that tells us that there is enmity between God and man, and they need to have peace between each other. And in order for that peace to be established, an innocent sacrifice needs to be slaughtered, and the blood of that sacrifice needs to be sprinkled all, all over the altar. Amen? All right, let's look at some examples in the New Testament. Colossians 1.21, this is what Paul said. And you who were once alienated and what? Enemies. In your mind by wicked words, yet now he has that what? Reconciled. How? In the body of his flesh through the, his death. Amen? So Paul is telling us that 
we as people were once enemies to God because of our wicked thoughts and our wicked deeds. But we who once were enemies have been reconciled with God. How? When Jesus offered himself on the cross to be our peace offering, to reconcile holy God and sinful man together. Amen? Amen. Now, this enmity that is between holy God and sinful man is caused because of something called sin, right? And this peace can never be established unless the offense that is sin is removed out of the way, right? When sin is removed, now holy God and sinful man can have peace together. And unless that happens, there always will be enmity between God and man. Amen? And that's what Paul tells us in Romans 5.1. Look at this. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't find that peace apart from Jesus. Amen? But look at this. Being justified first. When you're justified, now you have peace with God. If you've never been justified before God, you can never have peace peace with God. Amen? Amen? We talked about this before. What does the word justification mean? It means just as you've never sinned in the first place, right? Justification is a whole lot more complicated than forgiveness, right? Forgiveness means you, you sinned, you acknowledge your sin, God acknowledged your sin, he just decided to let it go. Justification means God looks at you and doesn't see the sin in the first place. God doesn't even think that you sinned to start with. Amen? You're pure and holy and righteous before him without blemish, without spot, without any sin. That is justification. How can we be justified before God? By good works, the Bible say, right? By faith. Now that we're justified before God by faith, what is the result of that? We have peace with God because the enmity has been that the offense has been taken out of the way, and that is sin. And that is what peace offering is all about, right? An innocent lamb has to, or an innocent sacrifice has to be slaughtered, and the blood needs to be sprinkled, and that's how a holy God can take the offense out of that way. And that's what this uh, sacrifice represents. Amen? Point number three or two. We see that there is three different kinds of animal that uh, the offerer can use as a peace offering. The first one is of herd, that's verse 1. The second one is a lamb, that's verse 2, verse, um, I'm sorry, verse 6. And then we can see a goat in verse 12. We talked about these three different sacrifices last time, right? If you remember, what do they represent? Let's try to recall that. The first one is the bull or Something from the herd, male or female, we see that represent Christ being the servant. Where we get this from? Because in the Old Testament, God said, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading the, the, the corn, the, the, the grains. And then Paul used that later on as a reference to the one who serves the gospel. So the ox, anything from the herd in the scripture, represent somebody who's serving. And that's a picture of Jesus, amen, who said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And not only that, but to give my life as ransom for many. It can also be of a lamb. We talked about that last week. I'm refreshing our memory. That represents Christ who went to the cross willingly. We read about that in Isaiah 53, when Isaiah said he was like a lamb, led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearer, he did not open his mouth. 
or it can be a goat. We also talked about that last week, so I'm just going through it very fast. That represents Christ who bore our sins and took it out of the way. Where we get that from? Leviticus chapter 16, the day of atonement, when they bring a goat called the goat of Azazel, the high priest confessed the sin of the people on him, on that goat, lay his hand on it, and then they release it in the wilderness. So the goat here represents somebody who takes the sin out of the way and carry it and just take it away with, and that is also a picture of Christ. Amen? Amen. The only difference in that peace offering is before it has only to be a male, right? Now it, has, it can be a male or a female. That's the only difference so far between the meal offering and the offerings we have talked about before. Why does that mean why, why a female can be accepted? Well, the, the, both of them can be a picture of Jesus in some way. Jesus is independent. That's a representation of the male. Um, he said, nobody can take my life out of my hand, right? I willingly choose to put it down. That's somebody who's independent, who's not in subjection, right? So that's the male. Female represents subjection, and he's the one who subjected himself to the Father to, to just fulfill the plan of salvation, amen? So male, female, they both can be pictures of Christ. Again, as I told you last week, if there's no scripture to back it up, just take it with a grain of salt. It, it makes sense, but, you know, if you don't buy it, I cannot persuade you much. Amen? So um, the animals, again, three kinds of animals, one of the herds, one or the flock, or a goat. It can be male. It can be female. There is no problem at all. Now, the way it works, and we kind of talked about this, the offerer lays his hand upon the head of the, off the offering. He kills it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and that speaks of how we are identified with that, how sinners are identified with that offering, with that innocent sacrifice, and that they say in a, in a way, I cannot have peace with God in my own merits, but I can only have peace with God through the innocent blood that is being shed on my behalf. Amen? Colossians 1.20, and by him, by Jesus, to reconcile, this is please God, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace, how? by the blood of his cross. Amen. Unlike the burnt offering here, we see that this peace offering, only a small portion of that peace offering is offered to God. And that is what? The fat, right? They have to cut it open, get the fat of the entails, the fat of the kidney, the fat of the liver, the fat of the tail, and that's what they offer before the Lord. Amen? All right. Um, I want you to see a couple of things here. Number one, how do you think the high priest can get into that fat inside the belly of the animal? They have to do what first? Have to kill it, right? And that tells us that the peace offering here, again, this is a sweet aroma to the Lord. This is something God looks into and takes so much pleasure in, right? In a way, the Bible is telling us that this, God looked at the cross of Christ. Remember the fat, the sacrifice need to die first and, and butchered actually to get the fat out? This is literally what the Bible is trying to tell us here, that God took so much pleasure in the death of Christ on the cross. Amen? The Bible says, for it pleased him, the Bible say, it pleased God that he would crush Jesus on the cross on our behalf. God took so much pleasure in that. I mean, it was sad because that's the only one he loves and cares about, but seeing Christ being offered on the cross on our behalf, it was pleasing to God to fulfill his plan of salvation for each one of us. Amen? Amen. 
So in that essence, in Jesus dying on our behalf on the cross and be the ultimate sacrifice to establish peace with God, God took so much pleasure in that. Now, this part here, some, in, in, in the sheep part, in the sheep sacrifice, uh, we read in Leviticus 3 that the whole fat tail should be offered to the Lord. Um, that's in verse 9. And that's a reference to a special uh, breed of sheep in this area. And the tail was about 15 pounds of fat, just, just to let you know. So that fat of the tail of the sheep only was 15 pounds. And you can add to that um, the fat that is on the kidney and on the liver. So it was a big portion that would come out of the, the, the dead animal and offered on the altar before the Lord. And again, that's just a picture of God who took pleasure in seeing Jesus dying on our behalf to fulfill his plan of salvation. Verse 17, um, two things God has vehemently warned us or the priest never to approach. What are they? The blood and the fat. He said, never do these two, okay? Why? Well, the blood, we have an, an idea in Leviticus 17, 10 to 14. God said that the life of the person is in the blood. Therefore, don't drink it. Don't come close to it. Amen. Amen. So the blood here represents Jesus dying on, uh, on our behalf on the cross and shedding his blood for us. And God said, this is for me. I need that. Amen. But number two, God said, don't approach the fat. The fat is mine. What does that tell us? What, is the, what does that represent? That represents that God required our very best in our offering. Amen? And that when Jesus offered himself to God, he offered the very best that he is to God. Where do we get that from? There's actually multiple examples in the scripture. I'm just going to point out one. In Genesis 45:18. Look at this. God is saying here, and bring your father, well, um, and bring your father and your families back to me. I will. I think that's Pharaoh speaking to, um, or maybe it's uh, Joseph. I didn't go back to read the story, but I think that's Joseph talking to uh, his brothers, and he's saying, "And bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best what of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy what the fat of the land." So the idea here is this, the fat of the land, obviously it's a metaphor, but it represents what the best that the land can ever offer, amen? And there's so many scriptures like that in the, in the Bible where the fat is associated with the very best, amen? And God is saying this, I want the very best. When Jesus died on the cross for him, Jesus offered his very best to God, amen? A blameless, spotless, sinless blood that he offered to God on the cross. Amen? Amen? And when we approach God, we should approach him in the same way. Don't offer God your leftovers. Amen? Offer him your very, very best. So this is just some highlights here we see from the text in Leviticus chapter 3. I told you guys before that the first seven chapters in Leviticus, chapter 1 to 5, each chapter is talking about one sacrifice. And then... God came back in chapter 6 and chapter 7, and he went back and discussed extra laws associated with these sacrifices, right? So we're going to go back now and move on to chapter 7, and we're going to read a few more verses that discuss the law of the peace offering and how is that a picture of the cross of Jesus. Amen? Leviticus 7, 11 to 21. Here is what God said. This is the law of the peace offering. Now, again, God is going back and elaborating more which he shall offer to the, um, to the Lord. 
if he offers it for a thanksgiving, so the purpose here when you offer this is to be grateful to God. You're grateful about something. Then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened, unleavened cake mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cake, so you offer the sacrifice, you bring unleavened cake. Beside the cake, as his offering, he shall offer what? Leavened bread. This is strange here, right? Leavened bread with the sacrifice of the thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it, he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkled the blood of the peace offering. This is the first time we see that leaven is actually was allowed to be presented to God. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 15. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for a thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day. Um, the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of the offering is of a vow or a vol voluntarily offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it may also be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice of the, uh, on the third day must be burned with fire. You guys follow the ritual so far? So for a Thanksgiving... You bring the peace offering. With it, you bring unleavened cake in different formats. With it, you also bring leavened bread, and you offer that to God. Amen? Amen. Now, if, if you bring a thanksgiving offering, and you, again, God only takes the fat, and then the priest and the offerer shill the meat, God said you have to eat it the same day. The only exception is if you offer it as a vow or as a voluntarily offering, then you have two days to finish the meat, the same day and the day after. Under whatever circumstances, third day, whatever is, is left, you have to do what? Burn it with fire. You cannot eat it on the third day under no circumstances. Verse 18. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. That means... Remember, the guy is offering it to God as a thanksgiving. God says, if you eat it on the third day, I'm canceling this sacrifice. I, I don't count as if you're giving me thanks, right? It shall not be imputed to him. It shall be an what? Abomination. Abomination. So something we're trying to do good to God can turn to be something so awful to him. It shall be abomination to him who offer it. And the person who eats it shall bear guilt. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as um, for the clean flesh, all who eat it, um, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, what's going to happen to him? This person shall be cut off from the people. This is like serious, right? shall be cut off from the people. Moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness or unclean animal or an abdominal unclean thing, uh, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the, pre, uh, of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, this person shall be cut off from the people. So God is saying this. You can eat it on the first. If uh, you eat it on the first day, if it's a Thanksgiving offering, if it's a vow offering, you have two days to finish it. Third day, you have to burn it. You cannot eat it on the third day under no circumstances whatsoever. If you do, then you're gonna be guilty before me, right? And then God goes on to say, 
you remember the peace offering, the fat goes to God, and then the offerer and the priest share the meat of that peace offering. God says, if you eat any of this meat of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while you're unclean, while you have sin in your life, you're going to die. So this is very serious to God. Amen? Amen? So let's look into that. We talked about this last week. We said that um, leaven in the scripture is a representation of, anybody remembers? Sin, exactly. Multiple scripture, we went through how leaven represents sin. And precisely in the meal offering last week, we said that God, like, very strongly told people never to offer leaven, leaven to him. Amen? But he seems to be okay with it here, right? He said, you can offer leaven bread to me. Why is that? Because the peace offering, there is um, a communion, a share between holy God and sinful man. Man is part of that, um, of that offering, right? And because man is part of that offering, that nature of man, which is a sinful nature, is also considered in the big picture of that offering. You guys follow me? So the only reason God is okay with the living being part of that sacrifice is he's factoring in who we are as falling, sinful human race. Amen? Having said that, God very strongly said, if you, you can offer a living bread, but if you ever eat of the flesh while there is sin in you, you're going to die. You guys see that? So in a way, God is saying, I factor how weak and sinful you are as people. That doesn't mean I'm okay with you living in sin. You guys see that, right? And so God knows that we are weak. He knows who we are. That's Psalm 103. He knows our failure. He knows our nature. But it doesn't mean that a holy and a righteous God is okay with us taking part of Jesus and have sin in our lives. Amen? Amen. Good? All right, let's move to the last part, the last part that talks about that law. We're going to go to Leviticus 7.28, correct. If I miss something, you guys have the notes, you can read it uh, later on. Leviticus 7, that's the last part in the first seven chapters that discuss the law of the peace offering. So let's look into it. Um, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, verse 29, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, he who offered the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands shall bring the offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring, that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord, and the priest shall burn the fat on the altar. You guys see that? So he brings the fat and the breast, Okay. The fat is on the altar because it's going to be burnt to God. But the, bre the breast, they take it as a wave offering, and then they give it back to the priest, not burned it on the altar, okay? Also, the right thigh, he shall give it to the Lord as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offering. So you give the right thigh now to the Lord, but God doesn't burn it on the altar. You just wave it before him as a heave offering, and then you give it back again to the priest. Um, verse 33, he among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat, he shall have the right thigh for his part. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering, I shall take in from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offering, and I have given them to Aaron the priest to his son from the children of Israel by a statue for how long? 
This is uh, important to God. This is the consecrated portion of Aaron and his sons from the offering made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priest. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel. On the day he anointed them by a statue forever throughout their generation. This is like very, very important to God. So God is saying this. If you bring a peace offering, again, an offerer who's not a priest is bringing the offering to God. So what they do is they take the fat and they take the breast and they take the, high, the, the right thighs, okay? The fat they put on the altar and they burn it to the Lord as a sweet-smelling aroma, right? Now, the breast, they wave it before the Lord as a wave offering. So they pretty much literally take the, the breast, wave it horizontally like that before God, as a wave offering, and then they give it to the priest so he can eat it, Aaron and his sons, okay? And then they bring the, the thigh, the right thigh, and they wave it as a heave offering. Heave offering is something that goes up and down. So you just wave it up and down vertically and instead of horizontally. The word heave literally means to ascend, okay? So they just wave it in a vertical way before the Lord, and then they give it back to Aaron and the priest. Notice, this doesn't go back to the offerer. These go to the priest who helped sprinkle the blood on the uh, altar. Amen? The wave offering and the heave offering, we, we see these phrases multiple times throughout different sacrifices in the Old Testament. God so many times say this portion is a wave offering or heave offering and then give it back to the priest. It's literally what that means is, these portions should be dedicated to God himself. God should take this himself, right? But God took his own portion, and he decided to give it to the priest, Aaron and his children. Again, not to the offerer, but to the priest who helped sprinkling the blood on the sacrifice. And God said, this is their statues. These Aaron and his sons are the one who ministers to me, who serve me, and I want them to take a part of every single peace offering. So I'm going to take portion that is mine, which is the breast and the thigh, and I'm going to give it to them so they can have it themselves. Amen? So what does that represent to us? It's kind of simple. Again, this is pictures of Jesus in, in a way. So the, the breast speaks of the affection of Christ. Remember John, uh, the disciple who Jesus loved, leaned on Jesus' breast, right, on, on, on the, the Last Supper. That's a representation of the affection of Christ. Obviously, the right thigh is a representation of strength and might, right? So God, in a way, is saying that we as priests to God are to feast on these characters of Christ, his love and affection, yet his might and his power in the same time. Amen? So imagine this. Imagine this. This is the whole sacrifice in, in a couple of minutes. Sinful men and holy God are enemies with one another because of an offense that the Bible calls what? Sin, right? But because of, a, of, of an offering that the Bible called the peace offering, now the sin has been out of the way, right? God takes the fat and he looks at it and he sees, uh, he smells in it a very good sweet smelling aroma. He's so pleased with it, right? The priest takes part of it, the breast and the thighs, and the offerer takes his meat back, and he goes, and everybody is feasting on that one sacrifice. Do you see that? From, from enemies, from two enemies, God and man, now God and sinful men are feasting and fellowshipping and enjoying the same sacrifice. Amen? Do you see the tremendous effect of that peace offering in the relationship between a holy God 
and a sinful man. It is not that it eliminates the enmity and there is still some hard feelings between us, right? Not anymore, amen? We are actually fellowshipping with God, celebrating and feasting on the same sacrifice, amen? I don't know about you, that is Jesus to the T, amen? When he died on the cross, he was our peace offering, and by his blood, he made peace between sinful man and holy God. And not only that, but John said later that our fellowship is with God and his son. We fellowship God. He feasts on Jesus, how he was his perfect birth sacrifice, how he lived the perfect life, and how he died just to please him. And you and I, who are absolutely sinner, hopeless, and desperate, and far away from a holy and a righteous God, now we feast on who Jesus is and how he accomplished peace to us through the cross. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> so let's close our eyes and pray.